Welcome, everybody, to episode two of your Laos Roger Smith. My name is Moxie. I'm here with... Loket. I'm JJ. Vari. And a, a silent protagonist, Jin. The secret fifth podcaster. <laughs> so, tonight we watched two more episodes of Big O. Those episodes were entitled Electric City and Underground Terror. And just like last week, we're kind of no formatting it. We're just going to dive in on Electric City and make our way to the end of Underground Terror. Who wants to jump in first with some observations about this one? Folks, how do you feel about the Loch Ness Monster? Oh, that was... I thought it was pretty tight. And what I if really it was made like of electricity? Nesty real? <laughs> it's definitely uh, based off of like an electric eel, from yeah. what I could tell. Which I thought was interesting to have is like a kaiju kind of enemy. That's not really something you see a lot of eel. Well, and it and it sets up this int- this episode was interesting as far as like it sets up an entirely different type of um, a different type of like society that seems to exist in this world, like not within the city, and they kind of believe in something entirely different than what the general city folk believe in. Well, they're Andrews, well, which... Well, I mean, so basically, it's there's the rich people, and then there's the poor people that's outside the dome. That's the poor people. <sighs> which means Roger's a member of the bourgeoisie. This show just gets more and more problematic. <laughs> Damn it, Roger. But I want to talk about those guys, because I think they're really cool for hating electricity. Uh... I think it comes from a very real place for them. I don't think it's a matter of oh, electricity is immoral and bad. It's a matter of they woke up without their memories 40 years ago, and all they know is that when the generator runs, something tries to kill everything. Yeah. So to be sense. fair. To be fair. It's not our IP, Moxie. <laughs> Sorry, Letter Kenny. We love you. I uh, I really like the whole like wrath of God element and that they perceive these creatures as gods. Yeah, I mean we we're gonna see that more. I have a feeling uh, because I mean we already have Mega Deuce, which is supposed to be Mega Deus. Um, Rock me, Mega Deus. And this one. I'm hung up on the physiology of this one, because if it was a real animal, its mouth sure opened up a lot. Well, well they, they said it was an experiment. It was, snakes. I mean, uh, yeah, but its jawline went down into its belly, and that freaked me out. You weren't supposed to like it. I didn't like it, so I guess they win Good. this time. I Good. thought it was cool. <laughs> I I also thought it was cool, but I feel like it did kind of appeal to a sub- community that we shouldn't talk about yeah you mean when we were looking out of the dashboard and we got to see all the fun ridges and lines inside its mouth yeah that's how you can tell how old it is (laughs) (laughs) count the rings yeah of course that's what i used to tell people when i was a cashier they were like i want to give you my id and i was like all right we'll just cut off your leg and count the rings (laughs) (laughs) oh no moxie that's a crime I know. That's why I'm not a cashier anymore. <laughs> so I'd like to bring up uh, Angel, because she is very important. Oh, yeah, this is her first appearance it's of our her first Angel. appearance. Yep. She it's claims to have a different name. She's hot. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I don't remember what her name was. Her uh, fake Casey. name. Casey Jenkins. Yeah. It, it was Casey Jenkins, and then it, it was something else, but... She goes by Angel. She was all like, I work for the electric company. It became very clear that she does not work for the electric company. 
And she says, come on, Roger, let's walk down to Electric Avenue and then sends him into the wilderness to get chair kidnapped. Yeah. Yeah, he gets chair kidnapped by an old dude. God, that's so good, too. Jin makes a, a great point that his first reaction to, ah, I'm held captive, is just like, I better just bust out of here and make this man eggs. <laughs> well, I mean, I figure he senses that the dude doesn't mean any, like, malice or harm because the way he talks is very soft-spoken and gentle and he seems to have respect for roger despite not really liking him yeah i feel like if the dude was intentionally malicious we wouldn't have had wow you sure sleep a while and we would have gotten who are you working with what are you doing here's my gun instead he just (laughs) kind of assumes that roger works for paradigm and like that alone is enough to tie him up a little yeah yeah, Roger got a fun football injury, uh, just banging his head on the ground all over the place in these two episodes. Yeah. It also yeah. reveals a new piece of lore that, like, Paradigm seems to be this company that controls everything now. Yeah, so Paradigm is a little too big. They make me nervous. Um, I think that's reasonable. Well, I mean, it's the name of the city and the name of the people that run it, apparently. Yeah, they're what, a firm of some kind, but also they're like the government? Yeah, it's it's basically what if a business was also the government? Yeah, what That's if? probably fine. I've never <laughs> Nothing heard bad that. could happen there. <laughs> and uh, but, we, we get some more uh, background on Dostin, too, which is interesting. And oh, his yeah. relationship with Roger in the beginning of the episode before he heads out. I think, isn't that the next episode? Well, no, I thought it was the first episode. I could no, be- they're bleeding together, but that's definitely the second one. Oh, yeah, the second one, they, <laughs> they interact in a meaningful way. This one was just all about Angel. To, Angel to and her car and her cool jumpsuit and her, like, gun. To be fair, the reason why it bleeds together is because after having seen the show a lot, Dawson appears a lot. And we also watched yeah. it back to back. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah. Fine. We're we're discussing both episodes at once. To be fair, yeah. we're just we're not good at linear stuff, I guess. Yeah. Well, we we want to get through this one episode at a time, but it doesn't really matter. I think as long but, as we're having a good time. I agree. Um, one thing I think is really interesting though is the fact that like so something that's hinted at and we don't really see again is if you notice. Roger was looking to see who is starting up the generator. Uh, and bef- right before he goes out into the wilderness, remember he's investigating the, the electric place, gets swarmed by these people. And then as he's leaving, he sees a silhouette in a window starting uh, up the generator. Was that supposed to be the old guy? I assume because all the secret shady shit that happens with the old guy, uh, like... Nobody else is connected to this situation in a secretive way. That's probably just their first attempt to drop him into the episode. Well, I wouldn't say it's the old guy, because the old guy clearly doesn't want the generator to be running. Yeah, that's what I was, like, thinking. I was confused. Do you think it was her? A mysterious third party that we have yet to, to see. Oh, maybe, yeah. Someone else is trying to throw a wrench into things. You know who it could have been? Uh, this is going to tie into the second episode, but it might be the dude from the second episode. That is also a possibility that crossed my mind, because that guy is clearly also trying to make things hard. Who are we talking about? Is his name uh, Rosewater? The no, mummy. no. The, yeah, Mummyman. Mumra. Um, Schwarzwald. Which, 
interesting to note, they confirmed Germany. So clearly, like, this is an Earth. Yeah, I was going to say, like, how does Roger know German? It's interesting. uh, Now, obviously, this was done because the show was released to English audiences. But we actually get more real-world references than that because the street Washington's... uh, Well, I just spilled the beans. Uh, The street Roger's directed to go to in the second episode is, like, Washington Avenue. Like, these are regular places. And the culture of 40 years ago is, like, still written on signs and stuff, and people just don't have context for it. Right. I'm surprised that, like, people know how to, like, just pronounce it and not just mispronouncing certain things since it's 40 years. Well, I feel like it was their memory and not their language centers that were affected. So if you, like, already know how this word works, it's not going to go away if you can't remember, like, where the street goes. I mean, I was just under the impression that, like, it was, like, a full memory wipe, but maybe not. Well, they did say in the first episode... um, I know some people have, like, fragments... They mentioned playing music and how nobody knows how it was actually supposed to sound, I think. Um, That was part of, like, the bar stuff uh, with Dorothy's granddad. Um, So a lot of what they do is interpretive, but, uh, I mean, we should really talk about how Michael Michael Zbox's last name is Seaback. So he's... uh, it's, It's interpretive... For everyone, I want to say, like the spelling, the phonetics. I think they are making it up as they go. I could, I could do that. Um, they know what blue sounds like because they're sad. <laughs> it's possible for everybody to be sad, even Dorothy. We know this now. We do know this now. So, second episode is a super interesting Dorothy episode, and for me, it was the episode that was kind of the winner of the night. I, did, I liked it a lot more than the eel. Oh yeah, it it lets on a lot more. Like the eel feels like a a setup of there's more to this world than you maybe even initially thought from the first two episodes. Yeah, but it, this it, this second one, the fourth episode, feels like a all right. Now let's let's advance this in some way and show you where we're going with it. It's also just to set up the character of Angel too. Mm-hmm. It's it was really a vehicle for her, and then just the filler kaiju fight of the day. Speaking uh, of a vehicle for her, how about her just yelling, I have a car? Ah, <laughs> uh, my car. There's a giant oh. kaiju on the loose. It's destroying everything. Don't worry, I got a car. Just out. Just Ollie's out. <laughs> not dealing with this. That's not my job. I get it. I think she was trying to say that she'd be okay with the lightning because cars are grounded. But I also can't remember if that's actually true or if that's a myth. Well, it, it proved to be a myth in the episode when she got electrocuted in her car. Yeah, but she didn't die. That's true. I mean, I ate a whole jar of peanut butter once and I didn't die, but that doesn't mean you won't die from eating a jar of peanut butter. Well, it depends on if you're allergic. And exactly. how, much light, how much lightning is there. Yeah. <laughs> we have got confirmation from our silent protector, Jin, that cars create something called a Faraday cage, which will, which will keep you safe. So... And the concept is the rubber of the car's wheels being touching the ground will essentially just become a ground so that the lightning is attracted to the ground. And, and not to mention the rubber acts as a natural insulator. This The, the second one's got a giant robot in it. It's second got one does have a giant. interesting giant robot. Yeah, and a mummy man. Golem. So oh. the, second one, the second episode, we get to see a lot of like 
Dorothy being compared to like the concept of being human. So we get a we get an episode of fear from our our louse here. <laughs> um and then later Dorothy experiences the same emotion. It's clearly fear, but it's different. Yeah. So Let's jump right to that confrontation, I think, because for me, that's the most interesting thing in the world. We see Dorothy kind of making um, funny G.I. Joe noises with her mouth. (laughs) Oh, shit. Get the fuck out of here. Um, (laughs) Pork chop sandwiches. Yeah. So she pork chop sandwiches at this derelict uh, Megadeus that's like uh, kind of taking up a corner of a a weird expo space deep underground and these noises she makes at it i'm assuming are like maybe the language of machines it's something she seems to understand intrinsically and she used it to reach out to her big sister in the first episodes so Um, i i figure like androids act as a way of remote controlling the megadoos if not being a control component of them the way she integrated mm. into her sister makes me agree with you. At least, if not like every android, it seems like the Dorothy class of androids were made for exactly that. I feel yeah. they'd make good pilots because, like, an android can do no wrong. I've never ro- met a robot who was doing anything bad. An android can feel no guilt. I, I also like the idea of that, if you are right, that the... You know, she's reaching out to this robot, expecting that I, you know, she should be able to interface with it. And then the fact that it is not responding would, of course, be the thing that strikes fear into her. That would be, that's an interesting concept. I think it was responding, it just wasn't responding correctly. I think it was saying some creepy shit at her, because, like, its mouth was blinking, and it was, like, framed as it was trying to communicate back at her. And she was understanding it, but she wasn't liking it. I got the vibe that Dorothy was almost in a Night of the Living Dead situation where this big robot is communicating almost like white noise at her. Like, it's what we would think of a zombie mode. It's this computer vomiting nonsense data because its brain doesn't work anymore. So one thing I find interesting is if you recall, she remembers, or or not she remembers, she says that it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And the other thing is that it's way more agile than any other Megadoos we've seen. It does not care about being on two legs. It will drop down and be feral in a heartbeat. (laughs) But, like, the fact that it's not supposed to exist, like, that could just point to so many things. And I think it's really wild. And I'm interested to see where it takes us from there. Because clearly there's a lot of shit. And I mean, like, a lot of stuff that we just do not know. And they just keep piling it on, but, like, in a good, informative way at the same time. They give you enough answers, but keep you questioning. And also that they're... Sorry. And also that there are even these, like, different classes of robot. Like, there are these ones that are very clearly piloted. The ones that are doing specifically what the pilot wants them to do. And that is kind of set up at the beginning of, of, like, all right, this is what the show is going to be about. And now it is very clear that there are these robots that exist in their own way and have their own sort of set of of morals or ideas you know maybe not necessarily to that point but of this is what i am trying to do whether these people around me want me to do it or not so something just hit me uh that was an expo what if that was a prototype megadeus i was about to say do y'all agree with me when i say that that robot was skinless 
yeah, it was it was very bare bones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 it like seemed it, like a prototype. When I look at like Big O itself, and then I look at that, I think to myself, if you took the enamel and chrome and like the artistic parts off of Big O, you'd find shit like that underneath. I feel like I feel like it's unfinished. And yeah, that's spooky for different reasons. So so we already had a. Uh... Big O, who is a complete finished project, and as far as we know, he requires a pilot. And also, I, I noticed that Roger, like, talked to him, which might have been just like a talking to your car situation, but I, with the with the context of the robots being able to talk to begin with, I was like, does Big O have feelings? Um, God, where I was going with this. Does Big O have feelings is a very fun question. That yes. is a fun question. Yes, actually, that was that was what I wanted to to lead into at some point in this in this conversation. So Big O has a function to judge you. You can't really judge if you don't like have any thought processes. So like it has to be at least thinking something, right? I always figured it was like a mental link and only certain people prior to whatever have like the link with the megadeuses because if you notice it's always a particular person that pilots it right so you have in the first episode dorothy even though he's not an actual pilot a he knows how to pilot it right mm-hmm. i have a theory and he I found a way to like break through that security I'm, I'm i'm like grinning ear to ear because i just had a thought and it's it's fun for me uh y'all y'all know my favorite movie is pacific rim Mm-hmm. In Pacific Rim, to make a Jaeger function, two pilots have to share a neural load to create a mental space with the capacity to move a body that big. Mm-hmm. What if... Yeah, Jen's kind of in my brain already. Mm-hmm. What if the pilot and Big O have to get in the same mental space and you drift with the robot itself? That's oh, what I figured, man. because Beck has a helmet. And that helmet is clearly wired to like his brainwaves or something. So you have to be compatible with it. And that's what I was meaning. Like he could break the security or protocol of having to need to be that and manually operate it. Oh, yeah. This, this then frames the, uh, this specific episode in, in an entirely different light where this man is very clearly trying to get um, the Megadeuce to function on its own, it seems. Like, he doesn't seem like he's trying to be a part of it himself. He is around the robot, but not in the robot, and not interfacing with, with himself. In addition, we see all those those papers, all that stuff that he was working on that he tried to burn the second that Roger found it, and maybe that is related to this. Yeah, so I just remembered where I had been going initially with that, that thing I was saying. Um so this being an expo and the fact that Big O is clearly a finished project and had to been for some time, because, like, I don't think Roger built Big O in the past two years. No. Um, it's possible that unmanned Megadeuses were the next step that they were working on, and, like, something happened with that. I was actually thinking that unmanned was originally the way to go, but they were violent. What if it panics without a pilot? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It needs a pilot in order to control it properly. That would explain its obsession with Dorothy to a degree because, like, there's this maybe this big, almost childlike question of, are you my pilot? And it makes it obsessed with, like, the first person who can, like, tell it what to do. Yeah. 
That's that's very true. And yeah, you know, it, we don't know if this thing even has a cockpit to be honest, but that is a really good question. And it, and that would even lend more to the idea that Beck when the face of that robot was ripped off had Dorothy behind it as mm-hmm. a like perhaps these robots in order to make them work in the first place needed AI to interface with them in the first place. Like yep. they needed at least something else whether it is not whether it is human or not doesn't matter as long as it is another being that is willing to interface along with it then it can function. So does Bigo already have an android in it? No, and I that's think, why he talks I think to Roger's it? the the android here. Uh, <laughs> so to speak. Roger's the conduit for which Bigo gets to make decisions. Otherwise, a so-called unmanned one would have an android in it who would be able to make those decisions for it. We're getting mm-hmm. really philosophical on this episode, but I think I've just struck on something. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we talked about last episode about uh, a Megadeus judging your intentions and deciding whether or not you're guilty. What if what if these robots are incapable of having intentions of their own, but they understand how powerful they are? And so, yeah, in a situation like the unmanned Megadeus, all it understands is I'm dangerous, and if I do anything, people die. Like... Mm. Well, it didn't seem like it was thinking that it was dangerous and that people die. It seemed more like it was protecting something. Was there something down there to protect? I mean, it wasn't. Well, if it, 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 well what, I, what, what, my, what I'm suspecting is that these robots were initially meant as some kind of security or military prowess, right? And so they normally these things would have orders to attack, defend, or protect, or whatever. And I'm assuming what happened is Dorothy accidentally accessed something when talking to it that set off its, like, alarm, so to speak, and made it go into defense. And that could be something as simple as, like, we came down here, and it's like, oh, you're not supposed to be here. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. It did very clearly have a lot to say to Dorothy. And and Jin does bring up an, an interesting point. If all of this is true, and if... These androids can interface with these Megaduces in a way that humans can't. Like, speaking very directly, like, can Dorothy talk to Big O? Like, will this come up in the future? Like, is this... Does Dorothy have a connection to Big O that makes even more sense for why she's hanging around Roger and being a part of this group? Her outfit matches its interior. And I'm not saying that's anything, but it's something. It has very good color. (laughs) This show has very good uh, color palettes. I'm a big fan. Yeah, they definitely know what they're doing. I've already waxed poetic a little bit about about some of the animation qualities in the first episode of our podcast, but I I am really jiving this art style. It's tasty. Jen told us uh, during the episode, and this is just worth fun trivia for the listener to know. um, Sunrise apparently also worked on Batman the animated series, Um, so as Vari pointed out about what a third of the way through episode one, the mm-hmm. sort of uh, the shapes and interpretive sort of shadows and uh, color of buildings in the distance uh, and in backgrounds is exactly like Batman, the animated series. They yeah, all have this kind of like flat, but like matte texture to it. If that this makes show sense. is just Batman 2.0. We wanted to do more Batman, but we're out of it. So Japan gets a turn. Ran out of Batman. <laughs> Clean out, you know? Restock next week, maybe. 
Call us. <laughs> so, it's a good um, show. I'd like to talk more about Black Forest. Ah. Uh, so some things I was pointing out is a lot of themes going on here. You have Roger falling into almost a quote-unquote pit of despair. You have him facing ghosts of the past in which he cannot currently like fight back until he has someone to help guide him through it, which is Dorothy. There's a lot of like theming going on with like, I don't know, just kind of like psychological stuff going on. Uh in terms of like fighting your fears and whatnot in in this the fourth episode and that he can't he can't process what is like happening to him at the time like he doesn't think of a reason why he is not currently able to deal with these things that he is seeing in the moment but it seems that whatever he has like an attachment to it due to the loss of memory right whatever there's a thread between these two moments uh spanning episode three to episode four and it's as Roger is running out to see the eel rise from the water. He says, I'm no atheist, but I'm not uh, naive either. And this carries over to him having a moment of personal, like hyperventilating level panic over his own irrationality as he descends down the ladder toward the expo space. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's Roger is deeply conflicted about his own spirituality and his own place in the world especially like of course post amnesia but he's he's not introspective enough to deal with his problems and then he gets confronted with them all at once a lot mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I i like that and most of the time it's usually dorothy or the butler that helps him like cope and get through it if not both of them norman had some great moments this episode <laughs> is it almost ready Fucking meatloaf. That was really good. Um, While we were watching... Oh my god, I'm hungry. But like, Black Forest, right? The the thing I wanted to get to with all this stuff is, like, his change in name, right? Uh, He was originally a journalist trying to seek out truth and then declares it's impossible to find any truth in the city because everything is so massed, right? Mm -hmm. By just this impenetrable fog of just mystery, no matter how hard he tried. And if you notice, his typewriter said another light on it. And that was his way of shining a light into the darkness or into the Black Forest to try to find what the mystery is and what the truth is and everything. And as he's finding more and more, the less he's starting to understand it. Like, the more he starts understanding it, the less he understands it as well. And so he ends up just burning it and getting rid of his past self and becoming part of the Black Forest or the or the darkness in which he was investigating. Because he feels that that's the only way to truly get to the truth. Because shining a light, the light can't pierce this black that he's currently in. It's a very it's a very poetic situation with this poor journalist, and I'd yes. love. I'm really looking forward to finding out how he ended up looking like beef jerky. Uh, <laughs> how he's just covered in bandages, his fingers are all pointy, he barely looks human, and he's wearing a neck brace. And he's got I a like, cone head. <laughs> I like that one of his eyes is a spiral kind of thing. It mm-hmm. looks like Android Kakaider's eye, like it's a it's a stand or a robot or something under there almost. <laughs> Um, an image of Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie from A Nightmare Before Christmas has been uh, graciously posted. delivered to us by Jen. And if you think about that, that's a lot of where he's at right now. Like that is that seems to be sort of his whole deal. And and if all of this wasn't enough mystery, they kind of introduced the idea that this this incident, the incident that caused this amnesia over the entire city. Um, 
happened 40 years ago, which then asks the question of how old is Roger? How long has he been here? Did the amnesia affect him? What's, you know, what is happening? Jim brought this up while we were watching, and it's a really good point. I was thinking about that because, like, Roger doesn't look 40, and a lot of the members of society, like, you've got to have a lot of young people in society. Like, yeah, not all of them are that old, but they all seem to have amnesia. There's going to be people who have had memories their whole lives and who can't relate, and all these old people are stuck trying to cling to the past, and the young people are just like, well, we got to move on because there's. There's nothing back there for us. So my question is, if they lost their memory 40 years ago, how can they be exactly sure that it was 40 years? It could have technically been less. And they're like, wow, we should write this in the calendar. This sucks. (laughs) I want to toss a little extra information I found out into into this conversation, uh, specifically regarding our robot friend from the expo. Yeah. It's referred to as archetype, which to me suggests... Uh mass production almost like we're gonna build on top of this that's mm-hmm. exact. that's exactly what i was like pointing out earlier is like it seemed like a prototype and everyone seemed to get that vibe from it but the fact that you said it's an archetype yeah that's definitely points towards some interesting uh this stuff. is this is a this is a metabots tin pet this is a <laughs> skeleton yeah yep. as you will which I say it's a skeleton as a joke, but it has these two open holes in its skull-shaped head, so I could be onto something. Who knows? It, they are definitely trying to bite the like skeletal look. The like this isn't finished. This thing's not truly alive, and it shouldn't be regarded as such. So when it moves, that's bad. Uh, I can't believe they actually creeped me out with a robot. I love robots. Yeah, that doesn't happen with you. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. I mean, I mean, even the the mouth is like you know quote-unquote mouth this thing doesn't have a mouth but in place of the mouth there are these things that would look like skeletal teeth there is nothing around them there are no lips i was gonna say you read my mind um so one other thing i find really interesting about this archetype though is so uh it's we we understand that it was supposed to be a prototype for mass production and whatnot so, but the thing is that it seems smaller than Big O, and it yeah. seems smaller than some other Megaduces. Yeah, it, it does have that vibe, but also we did see it really hunched over, and it's naked as sin. True. So I wonder if, like, if it stood up straight and it got bulked out by actual armor and robot apparel, then um, would it be roughly the same size? We don't know, because we got to experience it in that really cramped space. That's true. Uh, well, hmm. um, so where, where are we going next? <laughs> so something I think that's really in is how the episode closed. We don't get a we have come to term. Mm-hmm. We get something well, that says no side. No side. Now, is that a negotiation lawyer thing? I feel like it would be, because actually this... this this episode didn't really have Roger being like, yeah, I'm doing my job as a negotiator. It had him investigating something for himself for once. I just connected some dots real quick. You know how we it's, it's listed as archetype. That's why Dorothy was saying it shouldn't exist because it was a prototype. Yeah. Prototypes never make it. The, with, like, with its finalization. Dorothy may, I don't think she remembers, but this is all about Dorothy feeling stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like her big aversion to its existence at all may be related to 
exactly what uh, Logan said, which is, um, oh boy, I wanted to quote you, but the whole sentence isn't in my it's head. It's okay. Uh, she disagrees with the whole concept of it. There's something about it that just morally doesn't sit right yeah. with her, and she she just can't stand it. And over 40 years ago, she may have been opposed at the time, and that's what's being dredged up for her. That's God, this is a lot. I love it. <laughs> I'd looked up no side on Google using quotation marks. Um, and it's a sports term uh, called by the referee at the end of a match to indicate no side has possession of the ball. So um, no side kind of like one. Yeah, nobody's in control right now. Ooh, which could also reference to the fact that the Megadeus itself was not being controlled directly. Yeah, wow. A little bit. Yeah. This show has a lot of interlocking moving parts. <sighs> a lot of a lot of pieces are being laid out on the table like the world's weirdest thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we're we're getting five pieces at a time, and eventually we'll get two two corner pieces. But for now, we're we're just we're just trying to figure out what the picture's supposed to be. Jen just wrote Schwarzwald more German than it actually is, and I kind of love looking at it. Wait a minute, I just realized something. Isn't there a German cake called the Black Forest cake? Yeah, it's delicious. Yes. It's also a Black Forest ham, also delicious. So I always end up talking about food on this podcast right before dinner time. I'm fat. <laughs> so so is Schwarzwald is, is Schwarzwald like, because he's hammy? Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> this serious discussion podcast, we are trying to bring up important ideas. Oh, and yeah. A conversation, and you, you come in here to my house. Look, everybody, jokes made it to the podcast. <laughs> you gotta get out of here. We finally got to, through the door. <laughs> you know, the phone hat's a really hard fit. <laughs> We save we save jokes for the live washing. Jokes get out of here for here. <laughs> jokes are banned. Oh, this isn't necessarily episode related specifically, but I really want to talk about the opening multiple plural we got to see today. Oh yeah. Two excellent theme songs, two completely different moods. <laughs> I I really do think the English one captures the mood of the overall anime way better. Did you know that they're both in English? The second one, the guy's just singing really fast. So if you notice, it's actually a remix of the first song. It what? uses lyrics from the first song, and it ends with a guitar riff that's heard in the first song. Which one are we referring to as first? Because The, one the, the, the first one we saw, which was the Japanese opening. It wasn't Japanese. The lyrics were English. No, I know, but it was the Japanese opening. It was the third opening. It was at the... I, I believe the singer was a Japanese singer who was singing English. There's, there's a part in, bet in, in between of them mean? yelling Big it's O not, that there's a breakdown and the dude sings. And that singing part not, isn't opening up. It was not intended as an English opening. Okay, it was saying. just in English, so. Yes. <laughs> they do that sometimes. I'm sorry, I'm difficult. <laughs> you are a problem child. <laughs> but anyway, they both slap, and I like the one that slaps more better, but the, the other one has more gravitas. I mean, I'll take the one that slaps more is better. <laughs> to, to be fair, there's nothing more hype than just yelling Big O in a rhythmic fashion. They do yell so good. <laughs> they go. Also, the alarms that like play. 
uh, th- there's a sense of stress to that opening, which which kind of like pulls you directly into the urgency of the setting. So yeah, the 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 setting that we consider more authentic is also more true to what we're about to watch. I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also really like the like weird lava lamp like 70s music video background that they use for some reason with just silhouettes just yeah absolutely there's no animation in the english opening it's just silhouettes sliding around a lava lamp screen as they yell big o and somehow it works Mm -hmm. that's big o i think i think i know why i like the other one more and it's because i have brain poison um Rave master theme just makes me want shit. It just makes me want goof ass openings to any anime. I think. Yeah. <sighs> I I appreciate goof ass openings, but like I just really like a, that OG. Adult this is what Big O deserves. You're absolutely right, Bari. <laughs> it's just so much more fitting for like all the serious shit that's going down instead of you know whatever '90s alt rock band they got to do i can't believe we've gone this long without talking about how this episode has like the most iconic opening of all time and i'm not talking about theme anymore i'm talking about first scene which 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 episode the one where roger wakes up and dorothy says no one likes the sound of an alarm clock because that's how she was treating the piano yeah she's going so ham (laughs) on that thing dorothy banging out the tunes is like the coolest (laughs) intro yeah, and he's mad about it. Like, stop imitating humans. And it's like, she's just having a good time. She's like, deal she with plays, it, Roger. I'm playing a piano. again oh. at the end, and she's playing sad stuff. And she's like, robots can be sad. Fuck off. And she's right. Also, during the second time she's playing it, she's, like, grooving to it initially. And then she gets, like, more robotic when she sees Roger doesn't like it. And she just gives him a death stare. Mm-hmm. In her defense, I think that's her regular face. Yeah. No, that no. There's there was some some malice there to be had. She was enjoying herself. She was... He did kind of the whole episode tell her, "Yeah, you don't know what feelings are like. How you're, could you understand? You're just a robot. You're just a silly little robot. But perhaps there are more to robots. There was, and I lost my mind out loud to watch it. Mm-hmm. Fetishistic attention." to Dorothy's robot nature as she's manipulating a cup of tea and pretending to drink. It's they spend the entire opening just obsessed with her robothood to the point that the power goes out and she pops her head open and has a flashlight. Like they want us to be thinking about her as a robot for so long. Yeah. The show really likes to emphasize the fact that she's supposed to look like a human, but she clearly doesn't, want to be interpreted as such she doesn't care if you think she's a robot because she's just gonna keep doing her thing now jen's bringing up an excellent point and i want to spin a question off of this because roger got super mad at her flashlight and i'd like to know why does anyone have any theories he's probably disconcerted by the fact that she's just so robot like she's so chill with it and he's like he's he's seems to fluctuate between please act normal and stop acting like a person. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, if you saw someone's head pop open and a disc tray come out, even if you knew it was a robot. Very disconcerting, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I start my day. I don't know what you're talking about. Gotta yeah, load the boot up this. You know, it was, it was early in the morning. She woke him up with the piano and then over dinner, 
or over breakfast. Lights went out. She just pops over his head. I imagine he's just mad. Like fuck off. You don't have a you don't have a solution for anything. I don't care that you have a hat, flashlight in your head. Go away. So, he, so, he's just having a rough. He, you know what? Maybe he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. He's just having a rough morning. And he's grumpy. We've all been there. Did Roger learn how to make his eggs from Norman? I would assume so. Well, I like how he like talked about how great his eggs were, and then we have to see the old man seasoning them. How does he <laughs> like his eggs? Fried or fertilized? It seems like they were scrambled. Foxy. But I understand that was a joke now. <laughs> Well, delayed reaction. Yeah, we're we're fans of turquoise cheap. If if you if you haven't experienced them yet, please Google them. My wife just hit me in real life for telling that joke. I we need to finish the podcast slightly forcefully. Um. So we see that Roger actually sleeps on a bed, but do we know the bed is made out of money? Well, you know what? Um, if the fitted sheet is just fitted enough, you wouldn't be able to tell. I guess yeah, why not? So. Maybe that's why he's uncomfortable and grumpy all the time. It's because he's yeah, why, why sleep so bad. <laughs> you know, Asia made him up. forget what beds are. You know, knowing Roger, maybe it's not money. Maybe it's just gold bars. <laughs> well, they say that gold is the softest metal. Yeah. Well, it's metal. motherfucker. Oh man, make a water bed out of mercury. <laughs> <laughs> no, hold. Wait, no, don't. <laughs> It would destroy your home. You'd have to have, like, you'd have to live on top of bedrock for that to work. That'd be really fun, though. It would be fascinating. (laughs) I've always wanted to be Alex Mack and make my body mercury or submerge myself in mercury. It looks fun, but it's also going to kill you. I can't sleep on a bed unless I can pass it through a fence like the (laughs) T-1000. Is Roger Smith American? With a name like that, you'd assume. Well, I mean, he could be like European. This this is a this is a question posed by our our silent yeah. our silent friend. Jen is taking us on a journey, and mm, you're right. But Ro- Roger Smith isn't like Jason Statham. Like if someone kidnaps Roger Smith, he's gonna use it to take a nap. He's 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 a negotiator. So his thing is he's supposed to be calm, collected, and do what he can to manipulate the situation to get the best out of it. He's not going to try and run on instinct. And we see him actually actively battle his emotional response because his normal drive is, I'm just not going to let my emotions overrule me because that wouldn't be advantageous to me. Which is super unique for a libertarian. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, and and like a name like Roger Smith is something very basic to the point that you maybe even question does he even know his original name yeah, maybe he Ooh. made it up like, well if know he's that... said enough roger smith could be his original name it's but... like sappho's well, husband who was named like dick alcox like no that's not real yeah. <laughs> well so the thing that i think points into the direction that that is his name is uh the fact that everyone else calls him it that remembers him from a while back like as far as like ties go with the military police and everything, everyone calls him Roger Smith, right? And a lot of people that do have their names, they either sound half made up, like they only remember part of their na- original name. Like, like uh, for example, Rosewater, right? A lot of the, the names have names that are like two words put together versus it being like, quote unquote, a name. Um, Rosewater, Wainwright, Smith. Wait, what's Norman's last name? 
Norman Norman. Norman has a one word last name. It's actually Berg. He's Norman oh. in the city. That's Norman the door. Norman's so cool. He's got elf ears. Another thing we don't quite style of ears because I noticed uh, Roger Smith in in one one scene had pointy ears. So I think that's just kind of how they like to draw them. Yeah, they're all elves. Or maybe everyone's just a little bit not quite human in the traditional sense. Hmm. So here's a question: How does Norman how to know how to operate like the transportation mechanism to move Big O? He can drive a car. I know how to drive Big O. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like very intuitive. Like, try it, 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 it. It's it's made so that you can sit in there and at least figure it out because no, your hands no, go where your hands should go. I, I I don't mean Roger piloting it. I mean Norman the Butler working the entire subway station to move the fucking thing. Oh. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> I think that's because they themselves retrofitted it so that it would do that. Jen says it moves when he makes dinner. It's connected to the microwave. You know, <laughs> what we've been seeing, I think it might be. Big O is just the dinner bell. Oh, it is. Big O busts through the ground just like, oh shit, I gotta go. My dad's calling me. Making me think there's a two, there's probably a tsunami like promo for it, where it's like, yeah, he's gotta get back in time for dinner. Oh, you <laughs> know there was a tsunami promo about that. Oh my god. Uh, god. Uh, I don't believe there was because Big O wasn't on tsunami long enough to have it. It was moved to Adult Swim rather quickly. Oh yeah, so there was probably a bump about it. Yeah. Rip. I'm I'm curious to see more. Me yeah. too. It it just it keeps it just keeps on giving. Honestly, it just and really just a makes little bit more and more invested. Our our entire main cast expanded by a hundred percent this episode. We got Angel and Schwartzwald. Like yeah. Yeah, we got a, lot, got a lot more moving parts for this. Well, and now technically we have Rosewater, who Rosewater. seems important. Yeah, he got he got name dropped, and then we didn't do very much with. No, him. but you do get a shot of him. Yeah, yeah, so, that's what I meant. Like, oh, okay. So. We see him on screen, and we see his name, so we can connect the two. But we don't really see him do anything. We see his broad ass two loop in the third <laughs> characters chests taped together size like. He's he's a monster of a man physically. Yeah. What so, was up with that tram he was riding? It was diahecatal. <laughs> I think it was just a weird elevator. <clears throat> I love the technology in this show because it can be anything, and I it it all comes with the excuse of like, oh, they're just figuring it out. Everything's so, on a track. Something that confuses me is like some of the buildings pop out of the dome. Is the dome energy? What what is the dome? What are the domes? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of, oh, the dome this, the dome that, but we haven't gotten a lot of explanation of what exactly the domes are, what they're made of, what they're for, who established them. The only thing I can tell is it's to separate the rich from the poor. Oh, gang, I just got the coolest picture. Hmm. So, on the right-hand side, that's Manhattan. Oh. <laughs> this might be going no a little too much. It's the exact same. I know, we might just be going a little forward plot-wise. <laughs> I don't think... Being literally Manhattan is going to figure into the plot, but it does explain the detail that probably would have been hinted at later. Nuts, and it does explain all the water surrounding them. Yeah, because this isn't a assumedly taking place in America, and you don't have a lot of American cities that are indeed surrounded by water. 
I have one last thought about the expo, hmm. and it's because I'm seeing a picture of the the cubes in there. Uh, yeah, the buildings. Yeah, the buildings. They're mock buildings. Because there's a little, like, train he steps over that runs through them. Mm -hmm. Now, this is my most wackadoo theory so far, but Mm -hmm. if the buildings are scale models and Archetype is in there with them, do you think Archetype is maybe, like, just kind of a blueprint for, like, a really fucking super huge mountain-sized Megadeuce? Oh. I hope not. Like, that's a scary level of metal. Yeah. The Metroplex. I was trying to remember what the archetype reminded me of. It reminds me of a Sentinel from X-Men. Yeah. Right? So we're also looking at the sign here on Moxie's computer, because Mm. live together, share together. Um, And I'm noticing there's a year on it, and it's 04. Expo 2004? Well, we don't know which, which, which millennium here, but it took place in 04, and I'm sure we're going to get, like, year drops later where we figure out what year we're in now. Oh, so And we... I get the feeling it's going to be 44. Whoa. Ooh. And, like, the setting does remind me enough of the 1940s. You may have just struck gold. Dang. Smart, you guys. Hot shit. This is interesting. This they, they wouldn't have, listen, they wouldn't have put a year there if it wasn't important. Ah, you know, I wonder if there was an expo in New York in 2000. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure there was. It no, just... no, but but like like it something relative to that because this <laughs> this show did air around that time, yeah, as I far can, as I'm aware. I can hit the old Google. This show dropped in 1999, and this episode I have it uh, open on Wikipedia. Ah, uh, uh, so that wouldn't be relevant. Dang. This episode, uh, November 3rd, 1999, was its original air date. Its tsunami air date was 2001-04-05, which means, uh, what, April 5th, 2001? So that's nothing. Yeah, Dang. that just means that, like, it wasn't linked up with a real, yeah. real, real-world event that we would... Okay. That we were we watching it upon release would be linking it with. Although, how cool is it that it's here 18 years later uh, from 2001, and we are watching this in April? Yeah. (laughs) You know, the thing about the show is that you can draw so many conclusions from so many things, but half the time you don't know if it's actually relevant or if it's just like a thing put in by the creators to reference the thing. You don't know what's a red herring and what's not half the time. Like, like there are definitely certain certainties, but sometimes, like, I feel they just drop stuff in. They can. It's it's nice in the vein of, like, almost like an old Poirot, an old mystery novel, to to have a piece of media that is going to give us red herrings and, like, make us make theories and surprise us. I feel like I haven't had that in a really long time, actually. Oh, no, it's it's really good. It's just something I, I'm, I'm thinking about, because... You know, the longer we do this podcast, like, the more we end up thinking about it, the more we realize there's more to really pick at. But at the same time, we don't know if it's actually relevant what we're picking at. Well, here's the effect of Big O. We had one comedy episode, and now we're the X-Files. <laughs> I'm really appreciating this book club we've, we've pulled together. We're sitting down and analyzing this. It's, it's fun. 
It's very we're gonna fun. have to make fun of Roger way harder next week. <laughs> yeah, we got a little philosophical. Well, uh, the episode, to be fair, the episode was a little philosophical this time because it was a lot of like, what does it mean to be human, and like contextualizing the past and things like that. Are we robots or are we dancers? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, who has final thoughts? I think we're gonna try and wrap it up around here. Um, uh, chicks dig giant robots. <laughs> you know what? Go Danner canceled season two of this podcast is the Mega Sex LR rewatch. <laughs> I'm like, no. I like ah, yes, one of my like one of my favorite shows. Coop was my like hero because he was like the only fat kid representation. I agree. And now Kiva's my hero because I'm gay. <laughs> Um, so I do have one last thing I wanted to say, though, is, uh, we touched on it a little bit, but, like, I just wanted to talk about some of the animation, because, like, as much as we watch the show, that, like, and we talk about, you know, the graphic design elements and whatnot, the overall animation is really interesting, because there are really interesting moments of, like, just movement of how these robots work and whatnot that we see. And they really have, like, these intricate details of how each one works. Like, they really like to just... For example, you were talking about how Dorothy, right, in the beginning of one of the episodes, they were, like, really concentrating on how she was moving very robotic. I'm um, going to bring up something on behalf of Jen. Go ahead. Oh, I, Roger. I I don't I don't really remember it because I was paying attention to other things. But uh, Roger's mom is a subject in these episodes. Yes, during yeah. Roger's panic attack, where he sees like the ghosts of the past, he does have a flashback, and it's like only like two frames. Um, but he sees his mom, and he starts calling Dorothy mom, and Dorothy's like mommy. <laughs> Did you, Mama, you little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jen. Um, yeah. So, so we see Roger having some memories, and we don't know if these are memories that he had repressed or what, because like when uh, when Dorothy starts pressing him about it, he gets very upset and he doesn't want to address it. Hmm. And we-, we also haven't seen him go. Yeah, I got to go to my mom's for dinner next week or anything. So. <laughs> We, we can kind of glean that maybe she's no longer in the picture. Oh, but at the beginning of the episode, we did see an old woman talking about waiting in her situation in case her child's memories come back and they come to visit her. Yeah, Ooh. so there's a lot of, like, we're, we're, we're figuring out, yeah, families are getting broken up and so, family dynamics aren't surviving this. There's so much depth here. I love this show so much. This show is very yeah. I don't think that was necessarily Roger's mom, but that would be a it, big twist. It would be a little poetic if it was, but yeah, yeah. To be fair, knowing this show, it really likes being poetic. Yeah. You can tell by Roger Smith's monologue. Mm-hmm. We had monologues from people who weren't Roger, and I think that was like the most compelling part for me was hearing Mr. Schwarzwald tell us his tale in the uh the over what's the word who cares yeah uh just hearing him talk was super fascinating voiceover voiceover yeah i, I run a tv podcast <laughs> all right speaking of podcasts i think we we've gone on for a little bit it might be time to wrap up yeah, yeah. <clears throat> get your plugs ready 
All right, so Moxie, who are you? My name is Moxie. I'm at Robot Moxie on Twitter. That's where I post promos for this podcast, for my stories, and for everything else I do. Uh, go tell me how hot my Sona is. I am Lokit. I am associated with Moxie strongly um, <laughs> as a girlfriend. And um, I am at Moth Wizard on Tumblr or Deoxys Official on Twitter. Or if you want to look at my pretty pictures, I am Sketchwood on Tumblr. Uh, I'm JJ. Um, I'm on Twitter at Slagstorm. I'm not really on Tumblr anymore, but I'm Slagstorm on there. Uh, and that's where you can find me on the internet. And uh, I'm Vari. You can find me on Twitter at Valen, or you can find me on Tumblr at VariVal. Uh, I really just post whatever I feel like, but feel free to hit me up. All right. Well, where's Jin? Where is Jin? Uh, Jin, our silent protector, is our odd jobs Jin on Tumblr, and they post some very good art. So go, go see Huge Taco at Odd Jobs Jin, separated with hyphens. Tumblr.com. Jin is so powerful. Jin's a very good person. We love Jin. Until next week, see you, space robot. <laughs> Bye. Bye.